The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast onto Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's like completely different to how you drink a bottle of water. Do you know why it's in a can? Uh, no idea. Uh, Save the turtles? But it's better for the environment because I can recycle the can and I would be totally up for buying this over plastic any day. And I think it's the way we should be going, by the way, into cans away from plastic. It's definitely a great idea. And would you buy cans over a plastic bottle? Yes, any day. Yeah, I have done. Yeah, yeah, definitely over plastic. I'm very good, thank you. It's um, it's Friday, so can't complain. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited awesome. to speak to you. Although, I feel like I've listened to so many of your podcasts. I feel like <laughs> I, know, I know you're the answer you're going to give me. <laughs> so, you are the co-founder of Cano Water. Now, yeah. in listening to one of your podcasts, I never knew it was like Cano Water. I just, that, that just didn't sinking with me I was like so stupid and I was like calling it like can o water and then I heard it in a podcast this girl was like oh it's such a cool phrase like it's amazing it's can of water and I was like oh my god I'm so stupid I didn't get that but the company you set up is amazing but for people who don't know anything about can of water just give a bit of an introduction as to why you started it and what it's about yeah so uh the name can of water actually was uh, created from a WhatsApp group, funnily enough, with me and my two good friends. We were trying to think of a name because we originally yeah. were going to call it Water Drop. Um, and then our lawyers basically told us that we couldn't because um, it was too descriptive of the product. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit of a saying that I've never spoken about on a podcast. 
So yeah, the, the idea of Planet Water really came from me and my two best friends going on holiday to Thailand. Um, you know, we grew up in an area where you don't really see any plastic pollution. You see bottles yeah. on the side of the street and, you know, you see cans, but you never really see mountains of plastic. And uh, we went to Thailand for a, you know, friend's holiday and came across serious and serious amounts of plastic, uh, all from companies that we grew up loving, you know. In the mm. UK, you know, we, we love brands like Evian and Coca-Cola, but we don't see the after effects. And I think that it massively, massively sort of shocked us. And uh, I still to this day don't know why, but we just became completely and utterly obsessed to try and make a difference. I think the three of us always wanted to have a purpose-led business, uh, yeah. but this just felt like it was our calling. And uh, yeah, Can of Water was created in, uh, you know, the idea was created in 2015, I think it was early 2015. Um, and it really just was, you know, a project uh, that the three of us did a lot of research and saw that aluminium is forever recyclable. So we just thought no one's put water in a can in the world, so we're going to be the first ones to do it. I think that's so inspiring because I think, like you said, you didn't grow up in an era where plastic pollution was a thing. And I think recently people have been talking about the environment whilst when you set up the company, was it like six, seven years ago, right? Yeah. Six years people ago. just didn't really care about the environment. So for you guys to take that concept and actually do something about it and create such an amazing business is really inspirational. But what I wanted to ask you around that is, did you always care about the environment? Why did it shock you so much when you went to Thailand and saw all of this plastic? Because a lot of people go to Thailand, I've been to Thailand, but I've, it's never shocked me. I mean, I haven't seen it as badly, I would say, but it's interesting how it's completely shocked you and you did actually did something about it. Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, a lot of people used to say to me, why do you care? You've never cared before, mm -hmm. you know. I was definitely part of the problem. And I think that, um, that w that's what makes the three of us quite um, special within this. I think that, I would have looked at a environmentalist um, and said, I can't, you know, buy into that person. I'm not like that person. But when I look at someone like David Attenborough, who obviously is a lot older than me, but if I, you know, give another example of, you know, someone, someone else that cares about the environment that is similar to myself, you know, I buy, I buy into them a lot easier. So I think that why did we care? I just don't know. That is the honest truth. We just became obsessed with it. Um, I, as I said before, I feel like it was a bit of a calling for us. I also think that when the idea of cano water came about, um, and the can side of it, it was more like, we've got to do this. It's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, you know, my colleague Perry came to us with a design and we completely fell in love with it. It uh, is amazing. I always say that 99% of people would have come up with the idea of canned water and just said, this is so mm -hmm. stupid. Um, and I think it takes for that 1% to just turn around and be like, you know, we're going to do it. But the, the yeah. first, you know, the, when I came, when, when we came up with the idea, the hardest thing really was the people around us didn't really understand it. You know, even my own family didn't really get it. People were like, why are you doing this? It canned water is stupid. <laughs> and, you know, that played, you know, that, that carried on for a good sort of few years within the industry to try and explain to people who didn't even care about the environment that cans are a lot better. Um, yeah. But that's what excites me, personally. 
I think you've touched on two things there. So the one, one of the things I wanted to kind of touch on what you said was about identity, right? So you weren't really an environmentalist. When you looked at you, people wouldn't think that, but you're part of the problem. And also just acknowledging that and also realizing that your identity can be fluid. So if you haven't been interested in one thing your whole life, doesn't mean you can't be interested in it now and do something to change that. So that's one thing I really loved what you said. The second thing you said was no one really understood it. And I can imagine because back then no one really cared about the environment. Even now, I think a lot of people have to research a lot and do a lot. And it takes a lot of time to consider your environmental impact. And people are still quite, uh, how do I say it? They're, 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 some people just don't, don't love it, right? So for you to start a company six years ago and talk about this stuff was quite progressive. So how did you find kind of explaining to people on both of those fronts? Number one, it wasn't part of your identity. And number two, you know, you were starting a new, you were starting this new company and people didn't understand it. How did you navigate through that? Because I think a lot of entrepreneurs listening and watching this will be feeling the same, right? A lot of people don't understand your idea and your passion and your meaning or your purpose behind it. How do you navigate through those difficult conversations? I think it's a really, really good question. I think one thing is that we didn't just want to put water in a can. We wanted to create a brand, you know. Uh, when you've got something that looks really good, it definitely helps you. You know, I think that's half of the battle. Um, but trying to convince people over the phone that they should be buying a can of water when they've never seen it before in their life. You know, yeah. the amount of times that people would put the phone down on me or laugh down the phone. You know, we sat down with some massive industry experts, people that have made serious businesses within the food and drink world who mm. completely just they just didn't think that we would ever have a chance in in in, in this industry um you know I, I listen to quite a lot of podcasts like, i don't know if you've ever heard uh, or listened to how i built this um yeah. another podcast but you know the guys from airbnb are a, are a perfect example you know they had to convince people that strangers could could or would be sleeping in your house one day you know, yeah. that, it, that's mad. It's mental. Um, and I think that that is the per a perfect example of now it's one of the biggest businesses in the world. Um, you know, purpose-led and disruptive businesses, if you work really, really hard and you've got a serious, you know, you sort of solve a serious issue, um, mm. I think that, you know, you, you've just got to be passionate. And I think that that's why I always say that we were quite naive. Um, mm. If we had known the journey that we were going to go down, would we have done it? Probably not, because it was very, it has and it still is very, very difficult. But, you know, the first three to four years of people saying no can be very, very, very tough. And there were days where, you know, I'd have to leave the office early because I found, you know, it's so stressful and I couldn't take so much like rejection. I had so much rejection in one day. But then the next day, someone would get back to you and be like, oh, yeah, we want we want the product. And so there's so many ups and downs from an uh, from an entrepreneurial perspective. And I definitely think that the more disruptive you are, the harder it's going to be. Um, but the rewarding side of when there's a switch, which for us was. Uh, Blue Planet, the whole David Attenborough um, program, you know, that day that that happened and this, you know, that instant switch in someone's mentality, uh, albeit, you know, it's not, it was big for us, but, you know, we haven't even scratched the surface. But, yeah. you know, just overnight, 
you can see that your brand goes from the most stupid, pathetic idea in the world to something that's actually needed, which is so rewarding for, for an entrepreneur, especially someone that's, you know, 99% of the time you feel like you're sort of, you know, flogging a dead horse. So one of the things you talk about a lot is, you know, going through these ups and downs and being an entrepreneur, it's so difficult at times to face a lot of this rejection. How do you manage that? And how do you make yourself more resilient to rejection? I think the first three years were a massive, massive learning curve for me. I, I started Canna Water as this very, as I said, naive entrepreneur who, you know, didn't, had never really experienced rejection, to be completely honest with you. My other business partner was in recruitment, so he's experienced plenty of it, but I never had. So it's pretty horrible, you know? And I think that um, you have to be seriously thick-skinned to be, um, if you know, if you're going into uh, a challenger business. And I think that's something that I've learned massively. And I've, you know, I'm a completely different person today than I am, uh, than I was when I started Can of Water. You know, I was a 23-year-old kid who had no real business experience, if I'm completely honest with you. You know, I, I was always entrepreneurial, but I had never done anything like this before. So I think that I started to accept that no isn't a terrible thing, you know, and also no's can turn into yeses. So don't ever yeah. think that, um, you know, I, I would get so low about a no and then it would come back as a yes. And then afterwards I'd be like, why did I even care about, you know, why the, you know, obviously I care because it's my baby. Um, and we would all have days where we would all, you know, between the three of us boys, when, when it was just us three, you know, there would be days where one of us would just have a slip and we'd be like, I just can't be here anymore. We need, I need to go and have a breather. Um, which I think is like, you know, really, really normal. And I think that something that I've learned even in the past year is failure isn't a bad thing. It really just makes you stronger. And I think that just embracing failure is something that a lot of people um, need to do more of personally. I massively embrace failure now. Um, and I think that you will always become a better uh business person and a better personal round if you uh, are able to you know embrace that failure i love that and i and i want to touch on what you said as well around you know all three of you i remember this uh, from another podcast were working for businesses right for, for different companies all of you did different things yeah. and then i think to switch into an entrepreneurial mindset from an employee mindset is really hard and i think a lot of people don't talk about this that much and I think when you're used to working for somebody else, you're used to getting recognition from them, getting praise, um, you know, falling back on them if something happens, going to them for advice. When you're running your own business, it's literally just you. Yeah. Or in your case, you and two, two of your friends. And so those, those first three years that you talked about are really important to share actually, because I think a lot of people don't talk about this and how hard it is and how grueling it is and on days you just can't cope with it. So thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of people listening and watching this will be going through the same kind of thing or be feeling that they just want to give up. What advice would you give for people who are really struggling with this at the moment and just feel like they just want to give up? I think that, you know, feeling lonely, which is definitely something that um, loads of people uh, have shared to me and I've identified with massively is very, very normal. Um, mm -hmm. And just accepting that you're on a journey 
and there it's going to be ups and downs you know one of the most difficult things uh, and I work one of the most difficult things is on the outside, a lot of people look in and they're like, wow, this is amazing. You've got this, this, this. You must be a multimillionaire, all this stuff. Yeah. These people have no idea. Um, you know, it really is tough. You know, there's been times, especially in the past year, where, you know, I've struggled to even pay my rent um, because we had to protect the business in different, in different uh, ways, you know. And I think that, what I've learned is try and find other people who identify with you and people who sort of understand you um, and, talk, and just talk to them. I've always been a very, very open person, but I feel like with Can of Water, I, at times I've been a bit of a closed book. But one thing that I've learned in the past year is everyone's in the same position um, and just talking to people and getting an understanding and even just hearing that those people also feel the same is really refreshing um, because most entrepreneurs, they have the same journey. You know, they're lonely at some point, they're scared, there's so much fear. Uh, you know, most of the time you don't even know what you're doing uh, and you just, you just, you just do it. And you know, most of the people say like, how did you do this? And I don't even know how I did it. Um, you know, I think I've just got something in me that is, you know, I'm able to navigate um, myself, you know, through a problem and troubleshoot. And I think troubleshooting is one of the most important skills mm. to have as an entrepreneur, because when things happen that are bad, which happens a lot, uh, you really, really need to have that mindset of, I'm going to sort this out, I'm going to get through it. And, you know, the difference between being an employee and being an employer is that you've got to deal with it and no one else can deal with it. So that's something that, you know, I am a completely different person now. Um, we, I wouldn't even be speaking like this six years ago, but uh, it's made me a lot stronger. So you talk a lot about um, how you struggle with your mental health. How did you find that during lockdown and with your business? Because, you know, entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey. And when something goes wrong, it's often, you often take it on yourself, right? You feel really bad about it. And that can be really hard in terms of managing your mental health. How do you do that at the moment? You know, I've had many years in my life um, that have been really tough from a personal perspective, um, mainly as, um, as a child, um, well, really sort of like, you know, 15 to 18. And um, I would say that, the last year has definitely been the most challenging for me in my life, um, mainly because so many things happened at once. Um, you know, family and work all hit me uh, at once. And it was really, really hard to sort of, um, it was really hard. Like I talk about troubleshooting and navigating. It was actually, it was so hard to navigate because half of it you can't control. And when you can't control something, your head is just sort of like, you know, and, and a lot of stuff with, with work that's happened in the past and other sort of things, you know, I can navigate my way in and out of things. And, you know, I think that being innovative and coming up with solutions is something that I'm very, very yeah. good at. But when you can't control it and you feel powerless, it's horrible. Um, and, you know, one thing that, you know, I've found difficult, and I think that a lot of people have found difficult, is 
isolating is something that I've never really enjoyed and never really liked to do. I like to be around people yeah. uh, because I'm a massive overthinker. And um, when you're in lockdown and you can't go out for dinner and you can't go on holidays and, you know, music, um, I'm a DJ and I have been for, 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 for many years. Um, it's a massive, massive hobby of mine. You know, when you know when you can't do any of that and everything gets stripped from you and you've only got yourself mm -hmm. um i don't drink and i haven't drunk for nearly 12 years you know i i basically felt through lockdown like i had nothing to sort of cover up the pain of what was going on um you know can of water was massively struggling mm -hmm. um not really because of the brand, mainly because everywhere we sell at, you know, 90% of the business was closed. The brand was still strong, you know, there was nothing bad with can of water, but when everything closes and you rely massively on, you know, the majority of uh, trade and, you know, all these big retailers that we sell at and the mill deals, no one's going to pick up a can from a yeah. mill deal. Obviously, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough. So, as a founder of a business with with everyone else in the business you know we've got a big team not a big team but we've got a team of seven now um you know everyone's looking in you know who's watched this grow and thinking this is this is terrible yeah. um but i think as i said before one of the things that i found really helpful was speaking to others uh there was a point in lockdown where i reached out um on instagram to uh, I, and I never ever post anything on my story, really ever, um, especially anything personal. And I reached out to people and basically just said, if anyone else is feeling like this, would you, um, if I started something for people to come together and talk, would anyone be interested? And that was so on me to do that because I, I, I genuinely, I've never had, you know, I've never had the, um, I've never really had the balls to do it. I've always got scared of ever reaching out to people on 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 social media. Um, you know, when I usually talk to people, it's usually friends and family. Yeah. Um, but I got over over literally probably about four hours. I basically got one hundred and fifty messages oh over one hundred and fifty messages. Wow. Yeah, just from so many people that just. You know, a lot of people look at me as someone, you know, with an amazing job, amazing girlfriend, amazing car, amazing this, amazing that. But deep down, I'm so low and so lonely. So when they hear that someone like me is struggling, I think they think like, oh, maybe it isn't what, what it looks like on the outside. Maybe, you know, and I think that what was incredible is myself and a friend of mine um, basically did four weeks of uh, these zoom meetings okay. where we basically uh, had a speaker for four weeks and anyone could come and join and listen to the speaker and you know we just did it just for fun really and to help ourselves and to help others and what it showed me is that there are you know through lockdown yeah. there are so in life there are so many people that don't really want to talk they'll happily talk if someone else says it um but they're very, very scared to talk. And um, do you know what? I know that we helped loads of people because we've got the most amazing messages, but it really, really, really helped me to know that 
I'm not alone. And I think that, you know, that's, that's the same, whether it's being as an entrepreneur or being just a normal person who finds every day hard that, you know, mental health is so normal. It is so normal to feel shit basically. It's so normal to, to not feel okay. Mm -hmm. That, um, yeah, my thing is all about just normalizing it and, um, you know, it should get to a point that if you're if you're not feeling bad, that's not normal. Because you know, I think that everyone has something that they um, you know that they need to speak to someone about personally. Absolutely. And social media is a really great way of hiding that as well, isn't it? You can upload a post, or you can say you're at a restaurant, and everyone will think you're happy. And I actually uploaded a similar thing like two years ago when I was like traveling and I was modeling full time, and it just felt like everyone thought I was like living an amazing life. And then I felt like. I was being yeah. false on my social media. So like I put up a post being like, you know, life isn't all always amazing. Like everyone has bad days, everyone's yeah. all. But I think what you did in lockdown is really amazing. I think that's such a great thing to kind of take that initiative and do something for other people as well. So that service there is, is amazing and really inspiring. So well done. Um, I want to talk a little bit about any challenges you faced in terms of feeling settled with your business. So I think a lot of the time when you're not, when you're starting up a business, you can have a win and then you can take that. And a lot, of, I think a lot of the reasons why businesses fail is people attach themselves to that win and then don't keep persevering, right? So you've talked about this in terms of selfages. Not that you did that, but you could have just stopped there, right? What always pushes you to be like the best? The three of us um, are... I don't know, the best way to describe it is that we wouldn't take no as an answer and we also because so many people laughed at us and said no we literally had a point to prove yeah. and we were passionate as well you know our whole mission was to stop single-use plastic from getting into the ocean and you've got all of these people who mm-hmm. are basically saying no plastic's fine plastic's fine and we're like okay well have you seen uh, what we've seen and you know i think that just basically pa- being passionate is uh, is 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 like especially for the first three, four years, especially when it's just, you know, a small team and the co-founders or the founder, you've basically got to mm-hmm. just go mad. That's the best way to describe it. And, you know, yeah. we used to do things where we were sitting in the office and we had nothing to do. And I'd just be like, all right, I'm getting my car wrapped tomorrow. I'm wrapping it in can of water, um, you know, can of water stickers. And we're going out on Oxford Street and we're handing out cans to people. We need more followers on Instagram. So we're going to do this thing called can for gram, yeah. where if you, we get, not, a, not a gram of anything else, but we'll give you a can and you, uh, and you basically follow us on Instagram. Um, I think we realised that that name was probably a bit misleading. Um, but we, you know, that, that, that's the type of stuff that we, that we used to do. And I think that it's those guerrilla marketing tools that, listen, it doesn't work in every business. You're not going to do that if you're, you know, in property. But I think that you, in, 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 the, in, in, in Cano Water, what we needed to be was, you know, challengers. And we have always been very much, you know, the underdog fighting against, you know, the giants who produce tons upon tons of plastic. And um, how do we get our voice out there? How, you know, we've got no money, zero money. And, you know, w- what do we do to get people to know us? All right, let's just park on Oxford Street and block the whole thing and get people to, you know, to start talking about the brand. And I think that 
in the early days yeah in the early days it it worked massively for us you know now we've got a very different approach you know uh, we probably still would do similar things but you know that was just to get our you know our, our foot on you know really just to 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 get us known in some capacity even in london because no one knew us um i think the way that you know the way that we did it was it was very much a chicken and egg situation so within food and mm-hmm. drink in order to get into somewhere you have to be with a distributor and in order to uh, get into that distributor they want to know that uh, there's demand so the only way to get demand is by getting people to then go into the shops and go why don't you have can of water then the shops go to the distributors and say why don't you have can of water and then basically it creates this demand within the distributors and you know the people that we would mm-hmm. call um who laughed down the phone at us would then call us after the whole David Attenborough thing saying listen people are calling us and they want kind of water all we really did was plant a seed yeah. so you know what was so special was that those days that were doom and gloom where we would go home thinking what are we doing with our lives you know everyone around us is making money and we're literally just doing this thing that people thinks crazy we were actually mm-hmm. planting a seed and it's really really difficult to see it you know i, I saw this I used, to, I used to see this picture all the time i don't know if you've ever seen it of this man that's basically hammering um to try and get to uh, uh, uh i think it was like a diamond or something and um he he basically stops just before he gets there uh, and doesn't realize how close he is and i think that you know my me and my uh, business partner aria we've always said like you know we're on the cusp we're on the cusp and i you know it, it's true like mm-hmm. we still are on the cusp um but what was yeah. so nice is that when people started to say now we need you it's so nice to know that your mm-hmm. work was you know you were chipping away at something that actually it worked and that, that that's really rewarding of course i think your determination is so mm-hmm. admirable but one thing, you know, you work with two two friends. How is that? Because a lot of people avoid working with their friends and their family because it's seen to be quite tricky if you get into a confrontation or you have different views about something. How have you found working with them and how have you managed to manage any conflict with them? So I don't think it's easy, you know. I think that we've all got different views um, and I think as the business has grown, you know, it, it gets, you know, those views get sort of, you know, bigger and bigger and some people you know, um, might say, say A and the other person might say B. And I think that it is difficult. Um, I think that because there's three of us, it was always better than just two personally, because if there was two against one, it was always sort of like, you know, well, that, that's, that's ruled out type of thing. And I think that we've, you know, it was always fair in that perspective. It's not easy. And, you know, everything that you read about co-founders that argue, you know, it's, it's true. But I think that that's what makes us special as well or not not special but that's what makes us you know we are normal we're normal people we're not you know aliens we are literally like all these other stories that you hear um but we've got massive respect for each other i think that's one thing that's incredibly important and also we've got a team around us as well that you know help us with the decisions um but i think that our passion um is also you know it 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 creates debates and healthy debates 
Um, but yeah, listen, I think that it's um, it's definitely been a learning curve, but I wouldn't have chosen to have started it with any anyone else because I know that we wouldn't be where we are today if I'd gone into the business with anyone else. And that's, that's the honest truth. And I think that, you know, um, if one of us wasn't in it, we wouldn't be where we are today and vice versa. And that, that, that's really important to rem remember that because you can, you can think, and I've seen it with other businesses, like, oh, I'm the most important, I'm the most important. But the reality is, is that it's the DNA of the business and that, that, that can't change. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what's so amazing is you guys have stuck this out and kind of persevered. And what you talk about is, you know, you started this company six years ago. Everyone thinks it's amazing. Everyone thinks that, you know, you've got loads of money and you're like millionaires and co-founders or whatever. You know, you made it into Forbes 30 under 30 this year, which is an incredible achievement. So congratulations. But still, there's a lot that goes into that. Right. And I think this is what I wanted to share is you started this six years ago and you worked really hard. I mean, I noticed Cannon Water and why I reached out to you is when I was at uh, London Fashion Week. And I just remember being like, oh, okay, I didn't drink at the time, I got this can in this goodie bag. And I remember being like, oh, okay, and I've actually posted on my story of Cannon Water, I tagged it, I'll, I'll post it on video. Um, I did it like, it was like two years ago, hopefully it's still in my archives. And I posted it, and I still remember it was on this flower bed. And it was so great because I carried this can when I was running, I drank it, and then I put it in the bin. And then I continued running. Yeah. And so I was just like, whoa, this is such a good idea because it's not as heavy as like a bottle of water. Obviously, the plastic element is better, but like it's just so great when you're running. And so I remember posting that and then I will try and find it and put it put it on this video. Yeah, um, but, you know, you've created such an incredible company, but it's taken a lot of hard work and resilience. And I think even talking to you today, it's just really shown that grit. What advice would you give to anyone starting their business right now? think just you know just keep going really and don't let anyone tell you that it can't be the biggest thing in the world we're in a generation right now where people are you know you can be anyone and anything and you can do any anything mm -hmm. and I think that I think that is really really important uh we're out of that world where people you know you can't beat the next man or you can't you can't beat the you know get get over the hurdle you know, we were told that putting water in a can is, is impossible. That's what people took. It's impossible to put water in a can. It's never been done before. I think that it is incredibly, um, it, 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 we're in a really, really great time. So I always say to any um, girl, guy, man, or woman, entrepreneur, whatever you are, I always just say, just keep going. And if you believe in something, just just carry on. I think that a lot of ideas just get washed over and people are like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I don't want to do it. But if you're seriously passionate, mm -hmm. you know, never ever let anyone or anything tell you that you that you can't do it because obviously it has to be possible in some aspect yeah. and some ideas might not work. But I think that if you give it a go, you will become a completely different person. Like As I said before, the person I am today to what I was six years ago, the growth that I've like, sometimes I only recently have I seen it because I, I, sometimes I'm like, I didn't even know I was capable of doing certain things. Um, it's just amazing. And it's really exciting. And when you build a team and they also learn from you and you start to sort of, you know, see that as well. And you actually start to, you know, look at yourself as, as it as in it like the Forbes 30 under 30 thing I never thought I'd get that in a million years yeah. um 
but I must be influential in some aspect, um, which is so amazing, you know, because I never, I never looked at myself as that. So for me, the most important thing is don't think that you can't really, uh, because you can. I love it. I think you're so inspiring. I think you've got such a positive element to you and something that, you know, people are going to really take away from. And I think that, you know, what you've done with the business and how you've grown it, and like I said, how you've just worked hard and worked hard and not let anything stop you is really inspirational. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. No, I've had no, such good. a good time talking to you. Um, and I wish you all the best. You too. Thank you very, very much.